you go into like a little section that's like the emergency section or whatever and line up in the bed and the girl went to check me and it was one of the little heart monitors that you just pop on the tummy and um, she has I think she has headphones or whatever to hear and she said oh there's a problem or I can't hear anything but it could be this and I naively said was it my phone interacting with it and my phone was like miles away Welcome to the Social Fabric Podcast with me, Andrea Splendori, and this week I'm talking to Katrina Holt. Katrina is the owner of a business called Creative Hands, and her life story is fascinating and really enlightening. Please subscribe, share, and review to the podcast. It's the only way we have a chance to survive. The show is also broadcast weekly on Near FM 90.3 every Monday, and every Tuesday on Flirt FM 101.3. Title tune is Alice by Lucky Bones. Can I call you up, oh Alice, on a Friday night? We could reminisce on old days and we could talk a while. Just sit and talk a while. I can hear perfect yet. Yeah. I'm still <laughs> nervous and <laughs> wanting to run. Don't Why be. I don't, know. don't be. So first of all, don't be nervous. Just chill. I love the painting behind you there. That's really cool. Oh, thank you. The sea. And the sea, lovely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So don't be nervous. All you need to know is when I ask you about your songs and your book. I hope you pick three songs. <laughs> I did, matter, but doesn't matter what they are. Even that doesn't it make you kind of like it actually makes you really think. And do you know what I did last night? I went back and listened to your 100 podcast. <laughs> um, I'd listened to it before, but I was like, um, I just went back just to, you know, re-listen to it and stuff like that. And um, the topic of even conversation, and I love that because it is something that I even struggle with. But it's funny how sitting down to choose songs can even bring up so much conversation, can't it? Well, I... Yes, and it's fantastic. And I take an inspiration from Desert Island Discs, which is an amazing program the BBC have done for years and years. But I interviewed um, Pat Dibley, and yeah. he, he reused my the podcast we do together. He reissued re it on his on his channel. And Pat yeah. is a wonderful man. He does a great work for mental health and for people, men's mental health especially. But I was mm. delighted to hear that he's used the song thing after my podcast with him to open up for people to open up to him because it's that sensory thing. So that song brings you back to whatever it is for whatever reason. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a wonderful way to, to get to know each other. And I, I met you yeah. once, but I don't really know you. Yeah. So it's yeah. simply, it's simply a way for me to, to break the conversation when I feel it's right, ask you about the song yeah. and, then, and then we'll move on. So, Nothing to worry about, and we're just gonna get cracking. <laughs> I'm actually just been recording anyway because I, okay. I, like, I like the bits that I come in uh, naturally before. Naturally. I might uh, mute myself every now and then because I'm in, I'm in an office, and every now and then there's some yeah. there's a mad noise. But when you're talking, sometimes Perfect. I mute myself so I get rid of the noise. So, Katrina, lovely to see you again. Unfortunately, Thank you. Uh, virtually, last time we met, we yes. were actually able to see it across from each other, and. Yep. Uh, so actually, I'm going to start from there because the time you, we met, you had an idea and uh, and that's what we, we were meeting to have a chat about. But 
But before we get to that, um, tell me a bit more about you. I just met your son briefly. He came into the screen for a moment and then he went off to play FIFA. But tell me a bit more about you. Tell me who you are. So um, my name is Katrina. I am a mother of three and two boys and a girl. And I have um, I moved to Greystones eight years ago. Um, I'm not from too far away. It's just Ockram. I don't know if you know it, but it was still, um, I suppose, a big move at the time. And I opened a business here called Creative Hands and it's a nail and beauty salon. So I suppose through that, I have got to build, you know, such wonderful friendships and um, I feel a part of the community is such in Greystones now, which is amazing. Um, and God, I don't know what else about me. See, here's my struggle with conversation. <laughs> well, let me I, ask um, you a question then. Yeah. Let me ask you a question because I know Ockham really well. And, uh, okay. and I, I find it fascinating. It was a big move because I'm coming from Italy where yeah. Rome is a big place, etc. Ockham is not the biggest place in the world and it's not that far away from, from Greystones, but it is quite different. So tell me about growing up in Ockham. Yeah. Tell me what, what was it like? Well, do you know, it's even... I, 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 grew up in an even smaller location I'm actually really country so um my address would be the wooden bridge which is a shop a pub and hills um, and I suppose my nearest town then was Arklow where I went to school but I grew up among cousins and I have two brothers so it was amazing you know when I look back and um I grew up my granddad was a farmer so we were surrounded by cows and fields and you know it was a wonderful upbringing it really was um but I always always wanted to be in the middle of probably New York and Greystones is the nearest I've got to it <laughs> I always wanted busyness and um you know that different pace of life so as soon as I could start to drive I got my license I got a car and I was you know gone wherever the roads took me, I was gone. Um, and at 21, I actually went off and traveled. I did the usual trip, which was a Southeast Asia, Australia, and just traveled the world, came back to America. So I've always had this longing to, you know, I suppose maybe be in other places and see more of the world. I really, really, yeah, I love just, I love just exploring and um, getting out there and I'm, I haven't settled yet, even though Greystones is a very, very good place to be and I love it. Um, I'm still very much the adventurer. I find it fascinating because, again, uh, I know Wooden Bridge, it's, I mean, it's a beautiful part of the world, but as you described, it is very small and it is very, yeah. I think there's a golf course there somewhere. And that's about yes, all there is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, Tell me a bit about that 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 uh, trip around the world. What 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 changed in you when you were like? What was it like to go from Wooden Bridge to Southeast Asia, Australia, all these amazing places? What was it like for, from a country girl between you know yeah. quotes? What was you that know like? What was the probably when I think about it now? It actually wasn't that much of a shock to me, which is amazing because I always, like I said, I always wanted that bigger. Um, worldly feel so what I loved was I 
I suppose going to Australia and we lived there for eight months was very similar because the culture is not too different. But I absolutely love the culture change in Australia. That that really, you know, that was just fascinating to me because at that time when we left Ireland, this was like 12 years ago now, maybe 13. Um, the recession was just, was it kicking in then? I know it would hit when we came home. <clears throat> so we were after being through, I suppose, a bit of a Celtic tiger phase and, and life had sped up. But in Asia, you know, life was so chilled. People's outlook was really just about living a nice life, family orientated. Food was a massive part of it. Um, and their culture was just so much more laid back and relaxed. And it was lovely just to, just to be a part of that. And I suppose at the time when you're 21, 22, you don't realize how much it's actually influencing you. Um, and it's now when I look back at everything and, and even like that, people ask me my experience on it, that I realize how much um, it really did shape my future and gave me such, I suppose, coming from as a country girl from a really small location in Ireland, um, my mindset was so much bigger, do you know? To the point where, yeah, I've always had that really big aspiration and goals. And I suppose seeing the world just made you realize that anything is possible and it's so achievable. But it gave me such a different outlook on what I wanted to do to balance the work life and stuff like that as well from such a young age. So that was really cool. Um and yeah, then, as I said, when when we left Asia, we we'd only we traveled all around Southeast Asia for a month. And when we went to Australia, I suppose that was about settling and getting back into a normal routine again, um, which I suppose, yeah, was gorgeous. But it was just I would definitely resonate more with wanting to be out of that normal routine and back to that lifestyle and, and culture change that was in Asia, I suppose. Yeah. And I. I've always been a bit different in that sense. I've always taught outside the box and, you know. So let's start with your first song, Katrina. What, what did you pick and, and why? Um, I picked Skinny Love um, by Birdie, even though there isn't it Bon Ivers that has another version and is gorgeous. But it just was a time I, I came across the song in 2018 and it reminds me of my son, Daniel. And um, I know I told you briefly that I lost, he died. Um, and coming home from the hospital with him, I, I needed music in the car. And he was in the back of the car with me and I was just looking at my phone. And I'd never heard this song before, but I kept just, pre it came up obviously on, you know, YouTube or whatever. And I just kept pressing it. So the whole way from Dublin to Greystones, I just re-listened to this song over and over again. And obviously it was a very traumatic time. So, you know, the song songs hold such memory and I have, have avoided it until you asked me to pick out three songs. You know, I've avoided that song for a long time and I listened to it last night and the words don't resonate with me. But I think it was the music. The, I'm nearly sure it's a piano in the background. And it's the piano that just allows me to escape. And that's what I realized it did. 
it allowed me to escape on that journey home, bringing my son home from the hospital, you know, and yeah, it's just amazing. Come on, skinny love, just last the So, um, yeah, when we spoke the other day, you did mention you wanted to talk about this, and I really appreciate that you will, um, because it's it, it was a traumatic, very traumatic, and, and I'll ask you to, to tell me more, as much as you like about um, but also, that's, it's informing some of, the st- some of the stuff you want to do now, you want to make sure to talk about for for a number of reasons. So if it's okay, just tell me tell me that, that story, if, if you will, whichever way you want to tell us. Um, yeah. So I suppose I've never told a story in this version, uh, in this way. And um, thank you for giving me the space for doing it. But um, I lost my son at 38 weeks, so I was full term. And he died at birth. So I had never experienced, he was my second child, and I'd never experienced um, any problems with, you know, miscarriages or anything like that. So this was a a massive shock. Even in my family, it wouldn't have been, you know, my mom had no experience with miscarriage or or, um, the death of a baby or anything like that. So I suppose we look back at our our you know, parents and stuff like that. And if they're okay, you think you're going to be okay. And you just take it so for granted pregnancy that you're going to have your baby and you're going to come home and you're going to raise it. And and I remember it was actually the day of the abortion referendum. And I remember just not feeling well. And I had a meeting actually about work that morning and decided after it that I was just going to go in because I thought I was in labor. And I was going to go in um, to Hollis Street to get checked and um, presumably I thought, you know, come home with my baby. So I went in that morning and my family were even reluctant because of the day it was. There was like a lot of protests and stuff around Dublin and it's it was very traumatic at the time going. I know it was such an important referendum, but, you know, it was just when you were pregnant, it was a tough thing to look at all the time. And I know there was a lot of posters around and stuff like that, but I was adamant that I was going in to have my baby. And that's, you know, that was the day and um, off I went. I actually went on my own because I didn't think, you know, things would happen that fast or anything like that. And um, yeah, so I went in and I remember parking at Hollis Street walking up to the hospital and just you go into like a little section that's like the emergency section or whatever and line up in the bed and the girl went to check me and it was one of the little heart monitors that you just pop on the tummy and um, she has I think she has headphones or whatever to hear and she said oh there's a problem or I can't hear anything but it could be this and I naively said, was it my phone interacting with it? And my phone was like miles away, but it had never happened. The heartbeat was always so strong, like Daniel's heartbeat. He was constantly moving, um, you know, so this, this was unusual. Within seconds, there was 
um, a lady in sitting on the bigger screen doing an actual scan on my tummy. And she just straight away turned around the computer and said, there's no heartbeat. And I think like, how, how do you even, you know, he's three years gone and I don't think anyone can take in that information when you're sitting there pregnant with your baby with you and you're told, you know, there's no heartbeat. So I very much, when, when anything stressful happens, I probably go into myself a lot. So I don't outwardly react. So I went silent and just started making phone calls. And, um, and then I suppose, thing, I think what I realized happens is that you're, your entire, you, you just, I just left my body, you know, so you can nearly see everything happening, but you're not actually there. And I suppose that's how we survive these traumatic experiences, no matter what they are. And that is incredible. Like in that moment, my bubble of life being so straightforward, just changed in an instant. And, you know, people say, how do you cope? How do you live how do you survive and I think that's that's what happened to me anyway that you just separate from your body and you function so your body functions for what it has to do and you get through the grief whatever way you can until you get to that stage and here I am three years later that I've come back into my body Um, I think it's only happened in the last months and I feel good again. And even saying that, I feel confident saying that, you know, because there's so much around grief. Like, you know, you could talk for hours on it that you nearly feel a guilt and a shame for feeling good when you're going through g- grief, you know, and <clears throat> that prolongs your healing period. And to actually get that feeling of being good again and be confident to say it and be confident of your smile is is like the best feeling in the world. Um, so, yeah. Um, well, thanks a million for sharing it. And I, I was just watching you telling it. And I just love the glow on your face when you talk about Daniel. And, uh, yeah. and, and uh, I can only relate to very small. Uh, our first, both, our, both our kids were born premature and... Uh, and I know I know exactly what you're saying about it, and I know it's nowhere near your experience. But I know what you're talking about being out of body experience, because when we were told our son was going to be born way, way, way ahead of uh, of of the time, and it was only four four pounds when he was born, it was incredible. Like the thought of how how was, what's what's this all about? And nobody had told us about it, but. Um, but the staff are just absolutely wonderful in in Hollis Street, and uh, and they, they, I don't know how they deal with these situations every day. But so this 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 you say that grief is a long thing, but I, I love the fact that you know, over the last month, um, it's and I guess that's probably one of the reason why you're here today as well, just to 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 not necessarily close that loop, but just the the, the cathartic conversation, you know. Putting it out there and 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 talking about it, hopefully it's 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 some sort of a healing process. And when you said to me the other day you really wanted to talk about this, what is the apart from your experience? What do you think this will do to what people listening to other people in your situation or they're gone through or they're going through? What what would you like people to to get out of it? I suppose I can only comment from you know, my situation and 
and my experience and there like there is what what I have learned over the last three years is there is so many amazing people in this world you know like genuinely I have had to be carried and and even physically by my parents carried through the last three years and my friends have just been amazing and you remember that so much you know still to this day I remember people at at Daniel's funeral who were there who hugged me you know one of my really good friends and her husband brought her children to my son's funeral and that will never leave me because it honored him you know it it showed so much respect because I suppose we have been brought up in such a culture to shield people from debt and grief haven't we and it's because of that lack of understanding that lack of talk around it that it's just a fear driven um it's fear driven that we keep people away from funeral we keep children away from funerals we don't talk about death we don't talk about especially baby loss you know we don't even want to go there because it's too painful for people but I suppose what I'd love people and I know even from my mom and dad's point of view like as grandparents to Daniel they struggled with what to do and how to cope. And I suppose if I talk and, you know, letting people know that how much it meant to me to be at my son's funeral, to um, say his name, to acknowledge his life, because he was, I felt him kick and move. And I, as his mother, had the absolute privilege of feeling him alive for 10 whole months, you know, and talk to him. He was obviously with me every day. And as a mum, you do that. Like I remember in the car and I'd be going to wherever and I'd be having conversations with my baby, do you know? And for people to acknowledge his life was just incredible. So if I could share that with people to let them know how easy it is to make someone feel so loved and supported during a traumatic time because I remember as equally as I remember how amazing people are unfortunately the people who are too afraid and I know it's not anything like mean or anything like that but just again the lack of understanding and and knowledge around it people are afraid to say anything to you and they'll cross the road or they'll avoid your salon and like That, as I said, it's not anything bad that I hold against them. It's just if we could stop that and if they could know that St. Daniel's name means more to me and more to the next mum and dad saying their child's name than anything in this world. And it's okay to say it. And I suppose that's what I'd like to get across that. Let's let's speak about it and not necessarily that it has to be spoken about all the time. But if you feel that it's the right time and in the right contents, it will mean the world to the parents and the family of of that child. Wow. Wonderful. And uh, I, I often said, uh, especially to my wife, that if if the world um, depended on men, we, we would be extinct a long time ago because uh you guys are so brave. The thought, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just working out here. Daniel was your second son, but you've had two other children since. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah. No, I've a uh, Calvin is my oldest, so I've had one girl since Daniel. Okay. Apologies. And, yeah. 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 
and she's Sophia and definitely I know they say um you know the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow after the loss of a child and and she has definitely been that um she is like incredible but so too and I suppose this is another thing that was always said to me during the loss like Calvin my oldest son was very much he was seven at the time when I fell pregnant on Daniel and he was very much a part of um the whole experience even going to scans and he was so excited to have his brother here and um the devastation as a mother and I suppose my parents can resonate with this to see your child go through grief and know that you can't really do anything only be there is the most heartbreaking so I was experiencing the loss of a child myself but then I was watching my son you know having to give him that news was I'll never forget it um but I only said to my friend last night Calvin is it's it, as I said Daniel's three years gone now and I see the life and the smile back in Calvin's face and that just that makes me even heal more because the kind of the running phrase was when Daniel died that Calvin will be okay Katrina he'll be fine and I know again that this was a reassurance thing but I was living with this little boy who was going through the most devastating time of his life, another loss in his life. And, you know, I, I couldn't make that better because I couldn't bring Daniel back, you know. And, I, and children very much so experience grief the very same way. They're not immune to it at all. So he went through the very same stages as me. And that's maybe another thing that I'd like to share is that, you know, kids you know they're so they're so amazingly brilliant at coping but they do like that trauma is still deep within them and we have to like really mind that and protect him and like with Calvin like with myself Calvin was went to grief counseling and he went to play therapy and as I said he's the most incredible friends that carried him through but to see him now back to that seven-year-old before this happened, back to that happy little boy is just the best thing in the world. It's fantastic. And I just, as yeah. I say, I met him briefly days off playing FIFA. Yeah. Which, yeah. <laughs> <that's great. laughs> a normal 10-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Well, what a story. Um, thanks again for sharing this. Just tell me about the next song and... So I suppose, and it's not to bring any sadness, this is to create absolute happiness. Again, it's about Daniel, but I suppose he's such an inspiration now in our lives. Like he's t- like, if he's my total purpose in life um, and to make him proud. So when he died, I'd never heard this song either. And my dad, I remember text me in hospital asking me about it. And you, everyone knows it except me. Um, and it was Daniel by Elton John. Um, and talk about at the time, so heart wrenching, but so beautiful because it may, may sound weird, but like when you listen to that song and every lyric in it and you're seeing Daniel on a plane 
going off, you know, in the clouds and he's so he's happy and you just visualize your son and you know that, you know, he's leaving you, but he's so happy where he's going, you know, so whether it's Spain or whether it's, you know, somewhere out there in the universe, I know that he's happy and I know that his soul is wherever it's meant to be. So this song, while it can be so sad, it's, it's, you know, we sang it at his funeral and it brings good memories. bring you back to the day we first met you got in touch with me at the time and was a couple of years ago when you had an idea and you wanted to kind of bounce off the idea with me um and i remember being a great and it was pretty much inspired by this conversation really this idea of your loss but i guess you weren't ready at the time you know you had the idea but you weren't quite ready but now from from trying to recall uh, the conversation in, in, in detail and this conversation we're having now, I, I, you're, perhaps you're ready to do what you wanted to do, which was a wonderful idea. So you, you, you own this, this business called Creative Hands as a manicure nail, and, and that's my knowledge of it. <laughs> and, I, and I stopped right there before, right. I, before, before I insult you. But, you know, you're doing nice things to people's hands and uh, beautician type of stuff. But but you wanted to go beyond that. You wanted to go, okay, this is great. I'm doing this for women, make them feel better because they have nicer hands when they leave my parlor. But what what did you want to do? What are you going to do? Because I know you're going to do it. Um, sooner yeah, later. and I, I suppose like for everyone, um, you know, I suppose it was holding space in a bigger version. So when you go into a, a salon, um, it's very much about, in, in our salon anyway, about holding space for that person and it's it's a form of therapy but not in the extent that it's you know a deep like a therapist therapy um it's a physical therapy I suppose it makes you feel better by doing something nice and that's our whole tagline to empower women by helping them to look and feel their best and I think there's so much available now even in the form of podcasts and, and and blogs and so much information available around mental health and feeling good. Um, but we touch on a very simple part of helping someone feel good, but it can be so effective because, you know, grooming kind of such a, like beauty and, and wellness kind of such a positive effect on, on someone, on males and females. So I think like, I was going to hold a bigger space and I was going to hold, um, yeah, not much bigger, but a more intimate space for women to talk freely and to just chat, um, not with so much of a structure or anything in mind, but just freely chat. Because at the time, I remember just from talking to my friends and everything, um, women just needed that and they needed that, um, safe space I suppose you know uh, um, men have men isn't it the man shed (laughs) so women needed something like that Um, and and that's what I came to speak to you I don't know at the time if you were holding your your talks in the whale but I had 
after that went to went to them um, talks and they were incredible. And even sitting, listening to you holding space for, you know, the panel of people. It's so powerful and so interesting. And um, that escapism from a woman to, for a woman to whether they're a mom, whether they're whether they are single, living on their own, living with a family, whatever it was, it was opening up a little space for people to come to, to not necessarily talk about anything in particular, but just to be there and feel supported and feel as part of a group. And then unfortunately, COVID kicked in and ruined all our, our um, chances. <laughs> and um. I suppose it was forgotten about because then it was survival of Creative Hands. The online shop on Creative Hands took over. We couldn't obviously mix with people. And I created during the last year a lot of product and that was my focus and it was incredible experience as well. Um, so yeah, who knows what will happen with regard to being able to meet people as such in a group or a circle. I know uh, I'm a part of different groups that meet outside on the beach, which is gorgeous. And, you know, people are doing it a lot more outside. But I think even in seeing people come back to the salon after being away for um, six months or whatever we were closed for, it's amazing to see them so excited, so happy and to that reassurance that like they feel that safe place even within the salon to open up to chat about whatever they want and it's so incredible to actually hold that space in whatever form for women and um, whatever form it can be at the moment so you, um, in, the, in the in the near future you think um because if i remember correctly ideally you were going to create like a monthly perhaps get together yeah where where it was slightly more formal, as in come around, we'll do after work, close the doors and yes. share. Uh, and is that something you still like to do as things hopefully ease off and we'll be able to have more than two people in the room? Uh, yeah, exactly. Definitely, because I always, I just, do you know what I've realized over the last year that I am, I think, nearly passionate about the journey of of being of, of creative hands and where the possibilities of where it can go and definitely holding a space for women on a larger scale is where I wanted to go um how that will happen who knows but I don't even get caught up on that because I know it will happen you know and I suppose like that we just have to see no one at the moment can make too many plans can they yeah. Um, I know there's uh, just even talking to you about it now. I suppose there's a possibility of even opening that up through online, mm-hmm. um, ways and stuff like that. But yeah, uh, it it will happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what I think is is wonderful. And although I've never been to a manicure, and I might do one of these days, but yeah. I think the fact that you perhaps as the the nail technician or beautician and Correct me if I'm wrong. I think they're the, it they're the only. They're the only t- yeah, they're the only terms I know. But you, as yeah. a nail technician, you're looking down at the nails. Therefore, the person can talk to you without having to make eye contact, which sometimes can help 
getting things out. Exactly. Mm. And you know what? That's even funny to even and very observant as a man too, um, because people are so, I suppose, oh, you go in and get your nails done and, and get a colour and that's it and you walk out. But when you actually take a step back and look at the situation of two people sitting that close in proximity to each other and physically, you know, the therapist is holding the client's hand. It is very like, and in saying this, like I have, I have been that therapist with so many people who have been through the same as what I've been through before I went through the loss of Daniel and it's incredible to hear feedback I I know women who have come back to me and said you just held my hand Katrina and that's all you needed to do you know and it's like we sometimes we don't need words it's that physical contact of holding someone's hand that can reassure them and support them and you know it's so lovely and thank you for for you know, noting that, that it's, it is so much more than just um, a beauty treatment. Well, I mean, holding hands is the, is a primal thing. That's what we do, right? Mm. Yeah, it's very intimate. I don't hold hands yeah. with everybody, you know, it normally, yeah. it normally is within the family and that's yes. about it. And, you know, spouses yeah. and children. And, yes. and, 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 you know, it's that detachment. Once we move away as teenagers, we decided not to hold hands with our parents anymore or even before yes. teenagers. And you know? so it's wonderful. I, I think you definitely have something there. And I'm sure in the next few months when everything recovers and you're able to have more than one person in or whatever the numbers are, then you'd be able to have this um, wonderful circle, the, the women's yeah. shed. Uh, yes exactly wonderful wonderful tell me about your 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 last song please this is funny because I because I picked two you know I suppose sad songs (laughs) I wanted to end on a very happy song and it's one that just makes me happy all time and it's Kung's versus cooking do you know that song nope (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of it's a dance song and it's completely different than the other two um and do you know what i think it's called this girl or something okay. i'll send you the link for it um but it's more so again to like remember that it's simple things that can lift our mood isn't it and if you're feeling low or if you're going through some experience that I remember someone saying to me that you cannot heal if you keep going back to the place of trauma and and a song can bring you back to that place of trauma so like you know putting on a piece of music that raises the vibrations is good and this song I just remember when nightclubs were open being on a nightclub floor and dancing dancing away to it so good memories Just before we come to the end, I, I just want to, it, it's great because it, that's why the reason I started this podcast is about conversations, about communities, about um, sharing. And 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 this this last 40 odd minutes has been just that. It, been, it encapsulates everything I've, I've always wanted to do, which is 
you know, your story of hopefully whoever listened to it, uh, whether they're in Greystones or they're in New York, makes no difference. Hopefully they'll get something out of it and they can reach out to you through your, your business, your creative ants.ie or whatever it may be. But what I'm curious about, um, because I've had this experience with previous guests and your number 100 and I forget now, we're over 130. So I've had a few yeah. times this experience, but I'm curious to, to hear from you now that we've gone through this process. Like you said to me before we switch on the microphone, I'm a bit nervous. How are you feeling now? I wasn't a bit nervous. I was like a petrified <laughs> and I don't know why. Do you know, I read a quote come up on my phone this morning and it said, um, I, I don't know. I can't remember exactly what it said, but the, but the um, message from it was, it's like that face the fear and do it anyway. And you can never become, you can never grow unless you get out of your comfort zone. And I suppose maybe it's like an Irish cultural thing again, that we're only learning how to open up and talk, aren't we? And um, even the subject that I spoke about is very still much like a taboo subject, like I said, even though there's a few people popping up and talking about it now. Um, and I feel great. <laughs> Just to answer your question. After talking, yeah, I feel really good, which which reassures me again that I'm on the right track because before when I tried to talk about Daniel or if I discussed him with anybody, you would instantly feel drained, you know, because it was just re bringing up that trauma. So this was definitely meant to happen. And thank you so much for like allowing me the space to, to talk and heal even more. Uh, you're more than welcome and thank you for sharing it but uh, the reason I asked that question is because I wanted to bring it back to what you're going to do with your business and with your space you're going to hold it I mean I could have asked you about your holiday last week in Cork and yeah you would have been <laughs> really, it would have been very easy for you to tell me about it and yeah. that's what we tend to do we tend to go for the easy option you know but yeah uh, I can see in your face I can see you know the light in your face and the joy uh, of I'm hoping, thinking about, okay, some person, I'm going to hold somebody's hand next week and he, he or she, because it may be able to tell me something that's going to make a, make them feel better. And that's really all yeah. we want, right? We want to, yeah. want to have a better, a nicer world that we can actually talk to one another. And we don't know okay. each other, but I, I, yeah. I'm absolutely delighted that you felt safe and comfortable talking to me um, about such a deep and important uh, part of your life. But I do know it's going to be very important for other people. And if it's one person that gets something out of it, you've done your job, you know, you've done your job of, of making it better for somebody else. You know, that's all we can hope for. So brilliant. Um, I, think, I think that um, I remember one question when I, that kept happening in my head when I was, go, kept coming into my head when I was going through it was, am I always going to feel this way? You know, when you when you go through drama, you have that question of like, is there light at the end of the tunnel? And the biggest thing that, you know, if anyone is listening to this, that there is and I can promise you it will get better and it will get easier and you will feel happy again. And it's funny how in the space of only a couple of weeks after three years that I've come back to that place. And I know now it's a consistent feeling good. Yes, you have your ups and downs in general ways in life. 
But for anyone going through anything, you will feel good again. Brilliant. Excellent. So uh, just tell me about what book we're going to read. Give me a recommendation on the book. So I, I'm talking about this one because it's the one I'm reading at the moment. I actually have it here. Have you ever heard of James Smith? No. Okay, well, I've got an absolute love-hate relationship with him. <laughs> and he's um, a fitness coach on Instagram. And he brought out a book called Not a Diet Book. And then this was his second book, Not a Life Coach. And I got it actually during lockdown and opened the first pages on it and closed it again and put it away. And he's very opinionated on Instagram. And I will talk to even the girls in work. One day I'll go in and say to them, I absolutely adore him. And the next day I want to unfollow him. But I've started reading this book again. And right now, I love everything about it. <laughs> and it's funny, again, like music, it depends on what stage you're at in your life, how we perceive anything, isn't it? And how we hear yeah. anything. Yeah. Um, but when it, the way you love conversation and, um, as I said, you'd start listening to your podcast and, and wanting to open up more conversations with people, he definitely does that because he nearly creates a debate and gives very out there opinions that really make you think. Mm -hmm. So I'd really recommend it's a very easy read, but um, yeah, I can, I can give you a land of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite all right. <laughs> that's quite all right. Uh, but, but thanks, Amelia. That, but that's all. That's all. Let's have a more conversations. Let's make it simple yeah. for people to open up and, you know, who knows, who knows what, you know, the person next door to you or the person, I always say, go knock uh, to the, the person next door. You might have not have spoken to them for, for about a month or two months or yeah. you never have spoken to them and just ask yeah. them a nice question. Don't ask yeah. them, you know, don't tell them the weather is lovely. Ask him a proper question and, and yes. wait for the answer. And who yeah. knows? Who knows? He or she might have an amazing story to tell you that can't wait to tell somebody, you know, and that's really all there is. Uh, very simple, but very powerful. Really so, yeah. so, Katrina, it's been absolutely wonderful. and really uh, appreciate you taking the time to tell me your story. And uh, I'm delighted to see you glowing. And Thank looking you. great. And we will <laughs> meet again in real life yes. uh, one day soon. Definitely. And uh, until then, have a wonderful life. Thank you so much. Thanks a million for giving me the opportunity. You're more than welcome. <laughs> but if I meet you somewhere far down the line the sun still shines in your hair I'll kiss you once Then I'll say goodbye Yeah, if I meet you someplace Far down the line The sun still shines in your face I'll kiss you once Then I'll say